Hello and welcome to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.tv podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson and with me is Brian Jackson. We are the aforementioned Brothers in Tech. The, Brian, how you doing the today? Brothers in Tech. I'm good, Alan. How are you? Yeah, yeah, we're doing pretty good. Pretty good. So ready to get back together and talk a little technology here. Uh, again, our show is this ongoing t- podcast discussion where we're trying to help reach out to either those of you in the uh, in your families that are the default go-to IT person, and maybe you want to be part of our brotherhood. <laughs> you want to help share share thoughts and resources come with us as us. we try to help. Join come join us as we try to help everybody around us uh, manage their their home and family technology. Or as I like to say too, maybe you are that one of those family members that find yourself calling uh, that other family member, the IT person to help out. And you want to become a little more self-sufficient. You want to start to know some of this uh, yourself. That's what we're here to help with, uh, really focusing on home and more family-related technologies that uh, that uh, are things that you know, everybody's interested in today. We want to help you understand it and apply it and use it in your own, your own situation. Yeah. So Brian, we, uh, we've been doing this for a few months now. We've been having some great fun topics. I think we've been having a good time talking about some different aspects of technology, but in all of this, we we were probably a little remiss in that we really didn't spend any time talking about the actual true computers, the actual devices, the actual things that people are going to use to pull off a lot of this technology stuff we've been talking yeah, about. Yeah, that was that was kind of a big admission, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? You know, we we kind of skipped a big part of this whole deal. So, uh, well, I mean, I think I, I enjoy the fact that we were able to jump into some very specific things. But uh, it's funny how each of those topics, we continued to relate it back to this main device, right? Your computer. Yeah. And so I yeah. think it's, it's going to be good for us to talk about the computer and options and directions that people can go because uh, things are changing, you know, options are changing and uh, the decision tree is not the same as it used to be. So, well, we are going to talk about computer devices. So you basically, uh, the idea you walk into a electronic store, you walk into even nowadays department store and you're, you're in the mood to buy some sort of computing device. That's what we're going to talk about today's episode. And actually for the next few deep dive episodes as well, it's going to be all about the actual computer, your options, your choices. What are some things to keep in mind when you're making decisions on uh, what type of device you want to be using or devices? And uh, so that's what we're going to do. Let's just kind of talk about those actual types of computers during today's episode, Brian. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that that's that's good. And, and you know, maybe taking it from the perspective of you've you potentially may be buying a new device soon. Uh, I think you mentioned earlier, you've got a, <clears throat> a uh, child that's going to college this fall. So you've got somebody that might sure. need a new device that uh, mm-hmm. you know, their needs are totally different than what your needs are and uh, trying to understand what what those devices and different form factors um, can be useful for. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, I think this is this is going to be fun. It's going to be good. Good. Well, let's, uh, let's go ahead and get into it then. So let's start talking about some of these, uh, we call them form factors. Basically, we're saying kind of the the actual size and makeup and how this device is, is kind of made. And there's really uh, more or less four types we're going to talk about. So let's go ahead and kind of jump into them, Brian. The first one we're going to talk about is the uh, probably the most traditional of what you think of with a computer. It is uh, considered a desktop computer. Brian, why is it called a desktop computer? <laughs> well, Alan, I believe <laughs> that the the 
the term desktop uh, probably uh-huh. means because it typically resides right. on your desk, right? Oh, so, yes. right. <laughs> and, you know, a little mis- misleading because a lot of those don't, you know, they don't land on your desk. They might be under your desk, but you're going to use them at a desk. Did I yeah. pass? Is that was that what you want to do? I, I think that's gonna. We're gonna let that feet. fly. Yeah, we're gonna let that fly. It's uh, yeah. I think common misnomer. You know, it, it doesn't have to sit on your desk. It could be under your desk. It could be in a closet somewhere. It could be anywhere else. But these are the form factors that are the you know, the boxes. They are the big box that is not meant to be portable. Meaning. The idea is you're going to set this computer somewhere and that's where it's going to live. Right. Uh, that's right. where it's going to stay. That's where you interact with it is in this one location. Um, and it's considered desktop because, of course, it's normally found on kind of an office desk situation. Uh, it doesn't have to be, but that's kind of more of the tradition behind it. So some things to understand about these desktop computers. When people are looking at a computer option to choose, you know, some things you should know about desktop computers and what their purpose is really for. Um, you're typically looking at a device that is has everything inside of it with the exception of monitor, keyboard, mouse, maybe a webcam if you have mm-hmm. a, one of those, uh, for the most part. Now, there are all-in-one computer desktops where you actually have the screen and maybe the webcam built in to the computer. Those are uh, very, very popular nowadays, more so than before. They're still considered desktop computers. These are not meant to be portable computers you move around. They are sitting on your table, sitting on your desk, and that's where they're going to live. You know, with a desktop computer, um, you're typically having to buy some of those additional accessories to go with it, the monitor, unless it's an all-in-one, keyboard, mouse, and and all of that as well. Yep. So, Alan, do you what is your what is your take on the all-in-one versus kind of individual components? So, yeah. you know, if someone were to say, listen, I want to have a setup on uh, uh, at my desk, this is where I do all my work, and, you know, I'm choosing between this computer like an iMac or like, uh, uh, I think Dell has their own all-in-one uh, that's kind of a nice monitor that has a computer built into it or going and choosing the processor, the box, and then buying your monitor separately. Do you have a a particular preference or leaning in terms of which one is better? I I absolutely do. I I do not like the all-in-one computers. Mm -hmm. And that is is me personally. I, I get it. I understand the benefits. And believe me, if someone is looking for something with the simplest setup, the simplest purchase option, yeah, an all-in-one computer looks pretty good and makes good sense. My concern is always this, is that if the if something happens to the screen, something happens to the monitor, you're now down an entire computer. I mean, that entire computer now has to be fixed, repaired, serviced, replaced, whatever it may be, as opposed to having a desktop box that connects to an external monitor. If the monitor goes bad, you go out and get a different monitor or swap it out and you don't lose the computer. So, uh, you know, it, the thing that's always kind of interested me about the all-in-one computers is that, you know, these are still meant to be stationary. I mean, they are not meant to be portable where you pick them up and move them around. So I guess I've always felt like if you're going to have a computer sitting on your desk kind of in a permanent situation, you know, what's really the purpose of having it as an all-in-one unless you just really, really are trying to make sure you maximize space on your desk or space around you. But right. that's me. Again, I see the, I see the benefit, but uh, <laughs> I, I do some audio video work for a group in town that all have iMacs, which are the all-in-one mm-hmm. 
uh, computers. And that's what they stocked up on a few years ago. And sure enough, I've had to go and physically replace, have them fix two or three of those just in the last year. And they are down a computer when that happens. Um, and that's, that's no good. So uh, yeah. that's, that's my yeah. concern with it. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I think I'm with you. I mean, I do like the iMac. I've had an iMac before. Uh, that's kind of an all-in-one monitor. It's nice. It is nice to, to, you know, kind of have some simplicity where you have one mm-hmm. device, you plug it in, you put in a, a keyboard and mouse and you're good to go. Um, to me, I, I, I'm with you in that I think the uh, ability to maintain uh change, upgrade, right? The the more you can have some um, uh, ability to be able to swap something out and say, hey, listen, I I want a better monitor rather than having to buy a whole new computer, right? I'd like yeah. to be able to swap that part out. Um, exactly. And I think it's, uh, there's two, there's two things that I, I think about. One is if you're going to go buy components, that concourse can be daunting, right? People say, well, I'm going to go buy the, the box itself. I'm going to go buy the monitors. Well, that's a lot of research you have to do. I would say that in my, in my view of these options, I would say the top option would be if you can put the time in to go and find those individual components that work for you, that are all going to be customizable in the future. Great. The next step down for me is the all-in-one monitor device, just because I think they're usually, or nowadays, they're actually at a pretty high level of performance. I mean, you can get an iMac that is a really good, good machine. And then I'd say the one below that is when you go and buy a computer that is all, uh, it's, it's like a package deal, right? And to me, it's like when you, when you buy a, a, so I do a little bit of photography, but when you buy a, a kit, you know, kit lens with a, uh, with a camera, they're usually throwing things in and saying, hey, we want to make it so that it's easy for you. All these things are included. The keyboard's included. The mouse is included. The monitor's included. And they usually are cutting corners on a lot of those things yeah. because they want you to buy one piece of it and they want to make it easy for you. So that was usually my lowest um, preference in terms of Agreed. buying those things because you're going to end up replacing part of that or having kind of mm-hmm. a, a cheaper component in there. But yeah. if you can if you can put the time and effort in, to research and figure out what your component is, go find a monitor that works for you, that works in your space, you know, a keyboard that feels good, which people have very big preferences on, you know, a mouse that works for you, then you've got all these capabilities. I think that's the way to go. Well, yeah, I mean, you're right. It is a factor of time and energy and a little bit of research you have to do if you want to go price out and get those individual pieces. Uh, You're right. That is my preference, but I definitely understand where there's a need to just get a computer quickly. I just want it to be done. One purchase. I don't want to have to think about anything else with it. And I want to know that it works right out of the box. I don't have to do any hookups. I don't have to do any configurations, whatever. Then you're right. The all-in-ones do make good sense. I totally get why they're why they're popular and why people like them. Yeah. I just yeah. I do think the caveat to keep in mind is like you said, upgradeability. Um, serviceability, if things go wrong with it, you know, are you willing to be out of a computer for however many days it takes to get something fixed or repaired? Um, all that, some things to consider for sure. So you mentioned, you mentioned a negative obviously is you, you don't take this around with you. You don't take it with you on a trip. You don't take it with you to the park to go and walk, uh, work, work on things. So what's the, what's the benefit though? What's the benefit? Why would someone choose the desktop? Well, I think, I think the desktop is the biggest benefit as long as you're comfortable being, having it in a stationary spot, 
the biggest benefit is that you're going to probably get for for your money mm-hmm. your best performance, your best speed options. You can add more to this computer over time. There's a lot of flexibility with it. So there's a reason why if you're a professional video gamer, for example, you you don't even think about playing on anything other than a really beefy desktop computer that you can add more graphics cards to, you can add more fans to, more memory. There's a reason for that because that's uh you know they want the best performance they can get uh, yeah. out of that. So that is that is the good thing. I mean, I do think when when you got a desktop situation, to know that you can keep adding more memory to it easily, you could add more hard drives to it. You could. Uh, add additional monitors to it. You could do all these things that you're going to be a little more hard pressed to do with any of the other form factors we're going to talk about. Um, so I do think there's some good use situations for desktops, especially if peak performance, especially on very intensive programs or type of work you want to do or games, a desktop starts to make some really good sense there. Yeah. Yeah. So really price performance per price, I mean, for price, right. You're going to have the best price point for the performance you're going to get. And then I think, would you say longevity is probably a benefit here as well? I mean, given that the fact that you can go and change out the memory, you can change out, you know, and you can upgrade certain things over time. It seems like this is the thing that you would buy if you're planning, you don't want to have to buy something new in the future and you're willing to have a stationary computer. This is going to be the least expensive, and it's going to be the most customizable and probably going to last you the longest because of those things. Uh, Absolutely. I completely agree. I've seen some desktop computers that are in use and performing great, you know, 10 years later because you can keep upgrading them. You can keep swapping out parts that aren't working as well. Um, It just, the actual form factor, the actual guts of the computer are still intact and work great for a really, really long time. So. Yeah, desktop's great. And I think when we get to the tour later, as, after we go through these four, we'll kind of explain some different scenarios where a different type of form factor might be a good fit for you. But I definitely think there's some uh, there's an audience still for desktops, even though I will say that I think they've they've dropped in popularity in favor of some of the other vehicles we're going to talk about in the last several years. But I still think there's a, a good yeah. application for for that desktop computer. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead and move on to the second one then, Brian. What do we got? We got the laptop. Yeah, the laptop. So we're going to keep getting smaller here, right, as we go along. Um, So the laptop, um, if we would have done this show 10 years ago, this would be a completely different conversation, right? Usually the laptop, we would say, all right, you're going to sacrifice performance for mobility. Mm -hmm. You can go and take this thing everywhere, but it's not going to be nearly the computer that you would have with a desktop, right? The process is going to be different. Right. Yeah. Laptops were always kind of viewed as more of a, yeah, they're, they're always going to be under performance compared to a desktop computer. It's more of just, you, you, you want the mobility. So you have to sacrifice speed and performance yep. and you can't do video editing and graphics and games or not that on there. You're right. right. Man, that has changed. And, and it, it would it be fair to say that 10, 15 years ago when the laptops were kind of becoming very popular at that point, that most people that had a laptop, that was their second device. So they had the desktop that they did their work on. And then, hey, I have a laptop when I'm traveling, when I can go and do other things, but that's not where I'm going to be doing all of my heavy lifting day to day. And that's really changed, right? I mean, the the laptops now are incredibly powerful. Uh, they can do... Uh, they can do a ton of work, um, 
and you're not really going to be sacrificing a lot. What you will be saying, well, so let's, let's say the, the pros, the benefit mobility, right? That's the reason people do it is that function and form factor allows you to throw it in a bag, take it with you, uh, be in different locations where we all tend to be doing work in different locations now. So that obviously is a big, uh, a big uh, key there. And then the fact that now their performance can be uh, a decent level, uh, if not even rivaling what you could get with your desktop. There's still several downsides though, right? Sure. Price, you're, you're going to pay for that form factor still. I think uh, one, it is the all-in-one. I mean, it is the the all-in-one that we talked about with an iMac. It's that, but it's that at a much smaller scale, which you know, doesn't mean small means you pay less. It means small that there's more technology that had to put it into a smaller package and therefore you're going to be paying for that. So typically they're going to be more expensive than that desktop of the same level performance, right? Yeah. On a, on a, uh, you know, even if you take a desktop computer, add a monitor to it, add the keyboard miles and all that, you're still probably going to be paying more with a laptop than you would on the desktop in general. Now there are inexpensive laptops. There are all different levels, but to get the same level of performance in a laptop that you're getting in a desktop, you will be paying more. Yep. Um, yep. And I know it goes a little contrary to what I was just describing about the all-in-one computers, how I don't like the fact that the monitor is built in. And if the monitor goes bad, you the whole thing has to be serviced. It's the same with a laptop, more or less. There are a couple of differences in that a laptop, especially nowadays, are a lot more expandable than I think. Uh, they used to be with ports and you can attach second monitors and you can attach external devices to it. So even if my laptop screen broke, if the computer still works, I can still hook it up to an actual external monitor and still use it. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit, I mean, it's a similar to that all-in-one issue I mentioned, but uh, the portability outweighs it. I mean, the fact that it is portable, I can go anywhere with this and I've still got great performance to me outweighs the risk of it being a basically an all-in-one form factor so yeah 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 um you know the thing is people ask sometimes brian ask me why why laptops can't perform or didn't used to be able to perform as as much as the desktop could and it all comes down to the idea of you know uh, uh, really of heat Heat. you know how how hot and fast can your processors run that are powering your computer and if you just think about it you know, desktop, you've got a lot of space. You've got a big open case with that processor sitting on there. There's normally a lot of space around it. You've got fans that are running inside that desktop computer circulating air. So you can make the processor run faster, which means it's going to be hotter and not over get overheated. Laptops, you're cramming a lot of stuff into a really, really small place. So that used to be the issue is that you just could not get the processors to run as fast or to be as powerful because there's no way to control the heat on them. Um, that is not as much of an issue nowadays. I mean, you still will notice laptops, if you're really working them, will get hot. They will get yep. a little toasty, but um, but they're a lot better now at managing power consumption and heat on the laptops than they had been in the past, which yeah. is allowing us to really see some great performance on these laptops now. Well, I mean, memory is not spinning anymore, right? The spinning True. drives, yeah. which aren't continuing mm-hmm. to move. Um, and, you know, you mentioned the the heat just from processing, but also, you know, the laptop's got a battery in there, right? It's got a jam power yeah, yeah. in there. And that often will also limit 
the processing speed that it was able to do is that you're working on battery power as opposed to a constant direct power on a desktop. So, uh, I mean, I, I, I still think there's a difference, right? Even though that uh, it's it's minimal now, it is minimal and, it, and it's not worth really making a, a big distinction of it. But if you're someone who, who runs a lot of very high intensive applications, maybe you do a lot of video editing, you know, you may find that that is going to limit you a little bit to be on a laptop. They can do it. They're fast enough to do it. Heck, we, we'll talk about a tablet in a minute. They can do it uh, because they've gotten pretty strong with some of their uh, uh, their processing speed. But if you have the capability to be at a desktop and have the ability to put in new processors and new expandable drives and, you know, start to to really get that, you're going to have a, a, a higher higher end in terms of your uh, capabilities. I mean, so the other things to consider with laptops, Alan, is because you are buying this all in one and you're using it to travel, to to be mobile, to go sit on the couch, to be able to work in different parts of your house. Screen size, you know, you're going to be somewhat limited because you want the mobility. So you've got something you're going to have to squint for uh, potentially. Portability is great, but, you know, weight of the laptop is a consideration. Mm -hmm. There are some laptops that are much lighter, but the lighter they are, the probably the less they're able to do because there's less packed into them. Um, Keyboard, you know, from Mac people, keyboard has become a major (laughs) concern (laughs) over the last, you know, five years. Um, The, uh, the, the keyboards trying to get smaller and smaller as a forum factor means that, you know, you lose a little bit in terms of the functionality of the keyboard. So there's lots of considerations, even if you were looking at laptops and say, I want a laptop, there's lots of variability there across those lines that you're going to need to uh, you're going to need to test drive right, and try to figure out what works yeah. for you. So, well, and I think it's important, Brian, as we're talking about laptops, uh, just to make sure that there is a little bit of a distinction. You're right; there are different levels, there's different price ranges, there's different processing power and capabilities. But there's actually a whole nother sub level of laptops that a lot of times, if you go into the store now, you will see. And I think it's important that we mention. Because what we're seeing is that uh, the proliferation of what used to be called netbooks, I think they kind of did away with that term in uh, that kind of form factor, which was like super ultra small laptops and super low powered meant to really be as inexpensive as possible. Those have kind of gotten replaced. You don't see as much of those anymore. And instead, you're seeing a lot more of the Chromebooks, which they are laptops. I mean, if you look at them from the outside, many of them look very, very similar to a regular laptop. But they are going to be uh, geared differently. They are meant for accessing the internet pretty much exclusively. And mm-hmm. that's really what they distinguish themselves with. So you'll find those laptops will be a lot less expensive and will look really enticing. I think it's just important for people to know when they're looking at laptops that there are different flavors and that Chromebook level. We're going to talk about in a, a next deep dive episode when we talk about operating systems, kind of the actual system you use when you boot up a computer and you're actually doing your work. Um, In Chrome, the whole Chromebook is a very different ecosystem that we'll talk about. So I think it's just important to note that there is a distinction. So I just didn't want anybody to go into a store and see a $299 laptop and think, oh, you know, this is, this is going to give me everything I need to do. I can do video editing. I can do this. And that is, it's not the case. So No, traditionally the laptops we're talking about that are more true full, full laptops. I mean, what on the very, very low end, you might be able to find some for 700, 
dollars. Yeah. Six, seven hundred dollars, and then going all the way up to, you know, several thousand dollars for some really high end ones. So, um, yeah, anyway. that's, a, that's a good, it's a good thing to, to keep in mind, right? That when yeah. I, if you, if you're considering that, I would certainly suggest listening to our next episode where we talk about the operating system, because there is, yeah. you're right, there's a major distinction. Now, uh, I'm, I'm one of those that actually believes the computer needs to move towards that, mm-hmm. um, sure. that, uh, that kind of model, idea, yeah. right? Kind of to have some of your processing outside of the uh, the device, but right now you need to make sure what you're getting into. Yeah, you need to know what the uh, what that yeah. it's going to actually do and not do for you. Well, let's 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 get even smaller, right? Let's go. Right. What's what I would say is probably maybe the biggest change if we were going to do this same episode ten mm-hmm. years ago um, would be this one and the next the next two, right? The smaller form factors and how much stronger they've gotten. So let's talk about the tablet. The tablet is yeah. a really, really popular um, uh, form factor for people that want something ultra portable, uh, and they they want something kind of uh, it's it's almost like the all in one, but it's the all in one for portability uh, where there really are. I mean, I, I don't. We didn't talk about this beforehand, Alan, but to me, this is the most stress-free uh, form factor that you can have, especially of the ones we've mentioned already. If you're going to buy something that you want it all put together and not have to worry so much about it, there's not a whole lot of tinkering that you do. There's not a whole lot you can do to go wrong with it. It's made to throw in your bag. It's made to you know toss across the room, and you know it's made to to, to restart and everything <laughs> becomes, you know, fresh again. It's the, the tablet. So let's talk a little bit about the tablet, Alan. What, is, what are your, what are your thoughts right now on the use of a tablet and you know, kind of pros and cons considerations? Well, to me, the tablet's probably the most controversial of these form factors because it's the one that has gone through the most kind of uh, evolving over the last maybe five years. Uh, you know, I remember the concept of a tablet computer many, many years ago, before the iPad, before some of these more mainstream ones. Yeah, you're so. And it was kind of the whole. What you're so, I'm so old. Kind of, it, it was kind. Of, it was kind of the whole. It, was, it used to be the holy grail. It was kind of this idea of like, oh wow, if you could just walk around your house and sit on your couch, and you got a screen that you could touch, and you can operate yep. computers on that. It was kind of this magical idea when it first came out, and. Uh, I think what we saw with early tablets, even the early iPads that came out, they were a really good, I call them a consumption device, meaning if you just want to watch or read things, they're perfect for that. I want to watch uh, a video on YouTube. I want to read an email. I want to read a news uh, article. I want to read Facebook posts. They're great. They were great for that. But the the issue was always, and the controversy around it was, but are they really a computer replacement? You know, can you truly right. say, I'm not going to have a computer. I'm just going to have a, a tablet and I'm going to get everything done. I need to, I will say they have become much, much closer to that computer replacement. Um, I, I'm just speaking about the latest iPad in particular, you know, that I've had experience with. If you uh, attach a keyboard uh, to it, um, you can get some serious work done on it. I mean, it's, it's, you can do some uh, graphic design, you can do some video editing, you can do some heavy uh, spreadsheet processing if you choose to. 
Uh, me personally, it's still not quite there yet. It's still uh, got a little ways to go before it becomes a true replacement. But for a large swath of the people looking at doing some computing, I think the tablet would work fine. Yeah. Um, it's just, just like the other methods we've talked about. It's just understanding what the trade-offs are. It's understanding uh, what you may have some limitations with if you go this route exclusively. Yeah. Um, well, wouldn't but, you say it, right now more people, I think more people have the tablet as a complementary device. Yes. Yes. Than as a singular device. In other words, I have a desktop or I have a laptop and I use that when I'm doing real work. But if I just want to kick back and watch and read something, I'm using my iPad. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think uh, I think that's the way most people would use it now. I think uh, some younger younger people, you know, being a uh, an educator, I'm starting to see more and more students now that will say, "I don't have a computer. I have a phone, or I have a tablet, and I can yeah. do those things." And they're actually, you know, typing papers out on that, which just baffles me uh, that you can do that. But, um, yeah. but no, I think they're. I mean, you're right. They're they're strong enough, right? For you know, ninety percent of the population, the tablets these days are they're powerful enough to do the work you want to do. It's a different. Yeah form factor for you to be able to do that work, right? If you're someone who wants to interact with the screen, there's, it's really all about touch, right? That's the, that's the whole objective. You can do peripherals now, which I think has opened up a whole lot of uh, opportunity for people to be able to put a mouse or to, uh, to potentially have a keyboard. But I was, I was thinking about this, Alan, that, you know, if someone, if someone was really trying to, to set up their computer, um, usage and try to figure out what devices they want. It seems like the, the right now, the tablet is a great complementary device to a desktop. So oh, if someone yeah. said, yeah, listen, yeah. I've got a desktop, so I don't have the mobility at all, but I have less money put into it. So I have a better machine that I can do my work on, but I still want to be able to go around and, as you said, consume, check email, browse, shop, those sorts of things in other parts of my house then the tablet yeah. is great. It doesn't really make a lot of sense to have a desktop and a laptop for most people. And it probably doesn't True. make a lot of sense to have a laptop and a tablet for most people if you're doing it for mm -hmm. portability. But the two ends of the spectrum, I think really are kind of a nice complement to each other right now. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I think, again, I'm all in favor of tablets as complementary devices, but I do, I do see that there's a lot of opportunities where somebody could choose to just go on a tablet and mm -hmm. pro probably satisfy 95% of the kind of things that they may be looking to do. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of a tablet as a complimentary device, but again, I realize that we'll, we'll talk about our own personal yeah. situations yeah. a little bit later and kind of explain why we feel that way. But um, I had the tablet, the tablet has grown up. It is definitely uh, I mean, I, I, I have an iPad pro, I just tried hooking up a mouse to it um, a few weeks mm -hmm. ago when they, a couple months ago, they introduced that latest update that now allow, allow you to plug up an external mouse and use it. And it kind of blew my mind. I mean, at that point, I started actually see myself using it more as a productivity device. I'm still not there yet. I mean, to me, the tablet is still meant for extreme convenience and portability, but still not there for, for, I want to build, work on, develop, create things, and uh, do some heavy communication uh, task. But um, it's getting Alan, closer. Let me, let me ask really you that, closer. really yeah. quick though. Let me ask you why. So mm -hmm. you're not yeah. there. Is it because of interface? 
is it because of the way that the interface is done and you're used to a like i am multiple windows up on a machine to kind yeah. of drag things which is really hard to do on a tablet listen brian i'll, I'll cop to it I, I think most of my hang-ups with using a tablet as a primary device are from habit and from what we're used to than anything i still use keyboard and mouse I'm still a keyboard and mouse guy, and I can't get rid of that mentality. Even a keyboard and trackpad on a laptop, that is just my, my, my hands are geared to work that way. They are not geared to work yeah, on a tablet touch. with touch and trying to do manipulation of text or spreadsheets or anything else like that. And then there's also the, uh, the file system. Again, I don't want to get too deep on this, but just how files can be managed and organized and folders and yeah. how you organize your desktop. You don't really have that flexibility on a lot of tablets. Now I will say one thing we didn't really mention with the tablet is that, you know, some of the tablets out there are running a very limited operating system, meaning a mobile operating system, kind of like the iPad or it's running the exact same kind of system that the iPhone is running. Mm -hmm. where it's the big buttons on your home screen and that's kind of the yeah. only option you've got an android android tablet run the same thing yep right. mm -hmm. same thing but now windows has tablets yep. their surface line of tablets that are full windows computers and in a tablet form and to me that's pretty pretty freaking cool that's nice that's yep. uh that kind of gives you the best of both worlds i can have a touchscreen tablet for consumption but if i really want to set it down I've got a full Windows operating system I can do things on. So the tablet hangup for me, Brian, is more just more habit. I'm a creature of habit and I have certain ways I like to work and multiple windows, multiple screens up. The iPad doesn't do that for me. Um, but I'm not saying that tablets can't do it in general. I'm just saying uh, the ones I prefer don't. And it's hard for me to uh, to get past that kind of what I'm used to. I think yeah. that's the case with a lot of people probably our ages and above. It's just, we can't think of working uh, with touchscreen on a screen and trying to be as productive as we normally are. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I'm going to, I know we, I would need to move on here, but I do want to say one of the things that I, a dream I have is for a device to become more convertible Right. And of course, that's what the Surface does, I think, pretty well, right? Is like you flip it around and you could use the keyboard and you flip it around, you can do a different thing with it. What I'd love to see, though, is a tablet that when I am not docked on the tablet, it switches to a mobile interface, touch buttons, big buttons, you know, you're kind of making it easy. And then the moment you click it down onto a, uh, onto a, a dock, it switches to the desktop interface where it looks like your actual Windows or Mac desktop software. And it just flips a switch and says, okay, you're ready to work now. And you've got a mouse no longer touching the screen. Let's go. Right. And then you click it off. Great. Now you're traveling and be ready to touch the screen. And it's super simple. I would love for them to get to that point where they could have this clean and kind of swap, uh, you know, because the processors can do it. It's not an issue of that. It's really an issue of the companies deciding that they want you to have it all instead of having to have multiple devices, right? I don't know if it's coming across over the video conference or not, Brian, but there's a little tear running down my, <laughs> my cheek as I think about this idea. Because um, I'm with you. I, I, I love it. I, I, I would absolutely love it. Because right now, you know, again, I'm getting ahead, but right now I'm carrying two devices. I'll explain what those are a little later. 
and why. But believe me, if I could get get away with one, yep, totally do it. Absolutely, yep. I'm with you on that. Okay, yeah. um, let's go ahead and talk about this fourth form factor, Brian. We have gotten to the smallest version we can possibly get. Um, the phone, which, by the way, again, ten years ago, I would have thought we would have been crazy to include this as one of the form factors, right? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, 20, 20 years, to, let's say 20 years ago, right? But certainly, sure, but, uh, I mean, really, I think honestly, with the advent of the iPhone, I think even the early versions of the iPhone, I still would not consider them computers. I still think they're more primarily phones, but I really think the last 10 years we have seen the phone become a computing platform for a lot of people. You know, there's many people, many, many more people still use it as a supplemental device. I've got a computer, but my phone is my portable device I go around with. But like you said, students, younger people, sometimes the phone is all they have and yep. they can get so much of their stuff done on the phone, which still blows my mind. But you know what? Hey, if it works for people, that's great. Um, yeah. So what do you what do you get with the phone? How, do, how can the phone be a computing platform, Brian? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, for one, it's it's gotten a lot more powerful than uh, than they used to be, right? You can do a lot more work yeah. with them. The processors are, are better. It's a constant connection to the internet, or at least for most people, um, even on the go, uh, you're not going hooking from Wi-Fi to Wi-Fi. You're getting data just as you walk around. Um, so the fact that you're not having to even designate when work is happening, that work is you know, can progressively happen. Uh, you can check your email as you're walking around, right? It makes it so that you're so much more comfortable with this device. And now that the way people see having more and more uh, uses, you know, for a day-to-day, obviously people are not uh, putting them aside at all. They're taking them wherever they go. So that makes it kind of the ideal computer, right? It is that it's always with you. Um, yeah. But I think that what's really kind of the key is that they started making things like text easier to get into. They're starting to make it so that uh, the, uh, the the apps that it would run can then sync back with everything else that you're going to do elsewhere. The cloud storage has made a big issue, a big deal there. And that's, of course, what led to the tablet being very helpful as well. But I think size uh, has, the, they've gotten bigger. So therefore, it's no longer... Uh, the, most of the devices are no longer a one hand input device, you know, which mm -hmm. is all it needed to be previously. I need one hand, put a number in, put it up to my head. Now, two hands, larger device, larger screen. And all of a sudden it makes it, I think that I, I, honestly, I think that's where, where things are. I hadn't really thought about it that way until now, but the moment things became two hands, it means work can be done. <laughs> when something's one-handed, it kind yeah. of feels like it's not work. It feels like it's more, you know, uh, ease yeah. to interact with that. right? I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say that there's been some times back before I had my tablet, I was on the road and I didn't have my laptop with me or I couldn't get my laptop uh, hooked up or just need to do something. An emergency was going on. I had to write some emails and send some files and attach some other files to another document. And I did it all from a phone yep. and I'm not going to say it was easy. I mean, it was still a little, a little more painful than I'd like for it to be, but I got it done and it worked. And, you know, from the other person on the other end has no idea I was doing all of that from a phone. The fact that it could be done is pretty amazing. So yes, I, I can see it happening. The biggest trade-off you've got, the biggest reason why I think the phone is still just kind of 
has to be more of that fringe computing device is still just screen size. I mean, yeah. I feel like until yeah. you can get it big enough to type uh, a, a document on it comfortably with an external keyboard hooked up to the phone, for example, until that happens, it's still going to be a very much a limited work use device in my mind. Um, even a student of yours writing a paper, I can't even imagine writing a paper on a phone. No. Um, crazy. So how do they go about doing that? That's the question mark there. Now, once they've written the paper, if they want to be able to send it and respond to it and make notes on it and all that, yeah, phone could be great for all that. But I, I just think uh, until you know, the phone is always going to be limited in my mind by the screen size. And I don't think the screen size is ever going to get any bigger than what we've got now without it venturing into tablet territory where it loses the functionality of a phone and becomes just yeah. true tablets. So. Although they are, you know, you can see now they're trying to to do these things, right? The foldable phones to where, you know, you've got two halves of a, of a phone that you eventually use. I mean, they're, they're trying to figure out ways to make it so that they can get the tweeners, right? The people that are not really certain they want to, uh, you know, have a yeah. different device, but I, I would say, it, yeah, you're totally right. It's the, it's the screen size and it's the, to me, it's typing. It really comes down That's to really typing, it. right? It's because there's still no send, alternative. Type, uh, yeah. yeah. Voice recognition is still not to a point where you could write an, an essay, you could write an article, you could write a, a book report just by dictating it. I, I still don't think we're there yet. And I don't think that that works from a work standpoint. Now, could it be there in a few years where you truly could just write and edit your, with your voice? Yeah. And then I think we're, we're definitely going in the right direction, but I agree with you. It's screen size and it's writing. That's yeah. the, to me, the biggest challenges to make it a, a true work device, computing device. Yep. Yep. Now, Brian, if I can go back to your dream situation with the tablet, mm-hmm. um, I've kind of always felt the same way about the phone. See, yeah. here's, here was my dream situation is your phone is your portable computing life and you use it as a phone when you're just not connected to something. But if you were to bring it to a dock of some sort, you snap it in every, then all of a sudden you have full desktop interface with it. And, but everything that you brought with you to that phone is there. So then at that point, docks become universal. You could go to a dock at a hotel, you could go to a dock at a restaurant, you could go to a dock at a friend's house and all of your computing life is there from your phone because the phones are powerful enough to do that. It's just the connectivity and getting them hooked up to a monitor and a keyboard and a mouse and all that is a challenge and takes a lot more work to do. But if there was a way to do that, um, whether it's a tablet or phone or both, this idea of a portable device that can turn into a desktop situation at any, at any situation, at any location. Yeah. It could be really cool. But, yeah. Um, well, like we said, the, the issue is not the processor, right? Yeah. And for most tasks, right? The processor in the phone is strong enough to do a lot of what we want to do. As you said, the issue is screen size and keyboard, right? Yep. So yep. if, yeah, if I could walk up to, I mean, I, I kind of have that same utopian idea as well, where you have the phone in your pocket, you walk up to, let's say you walk to a store and they have little stations around every once in a while, everywhere, maybe even just on the wall where it's like, hey, I walk up and, you know, I put my fingerprint up there and look at that. My, my you know, computer is showing up on the, on the wall there so that I can yeah. sort through and find something, do a quick search on some shopping. Those are things that I wouldn't necessarily have to have a monitor with me all the time. So you're, right. you're 
getting the access to the bigger screen size. And then the text input, I mean, it, some of that is just our, the way we were raised, right? Yeah. We all I know like we, yeah. we type with, uh, you know, all 10 <laughs> fingers, right? Whereas yeah. the current, <laughs> the current young people, right? They can type yes, with two fingers and that's yeah. all they need. And they can type really fast with that way as well. So I, I agree with you. I think that's where things need to go. Uh, you've got a processor in your in your pocket or in your pocketbook, and then you just interact with a shell, you know, other places. Uh, and I think that yep. can be really beneficial. That's kind mm. of what we're doing in a way with, you know, right now, I, I, again, we'll, we'll get to our stuff in a second, but plugging in a laptop to make it a desktop, you know, mm-hmm. we kind of treat mm-hmm. that same way. It's like, hey, that's my, sh- that's my processor. I'm going to go put yeah. it onto other form factors. And uh... yeah. I, I think, you know, what we're basically kind of seeing with these form factors, Brian, is it's almost like, and I can think just as far as how history is moving along with them, you know, the desktop is becoming a little more antiquated. It's becoming uh, just more focused on niche uses than general purpose uses. Um, where the laptops are still very much the rage right now. I think we're seeing a lot more people opting to go laptops uh, because costs are a little better on laptops than they have been in the past. And obviously the, the capabilities are higher. Tablets are probably the fastest emerging as a true you know standalone computing device, although there's still some caveats to it in general. The phone, I still think, has got quite a ways before it becomes your primary computing device or one I would recommend. But... Um, it's a great supplemental device and uh, for doing some heavy computing. So it's kind of where those four are, I guess, in general. And I think, you know, the trends and times are moving. I could see more and more moving to the tablet over time with people choosing that as their device and the phones becoming even more powerful to where that's definitely the future. But right now, I think if I had to say of the four, the laptop's still probably the one more people are opting to go with for a true computing device than anything else. So to summarize, we are yes. old and yes, we, we do not, yes. And we do not yes. understand the young people. Is that what we're saying? The whippersnappers. Yeah. <laughs> we want them to get off our yard <laughs> and take their, and take their stinking two, two finger typing with them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Our, Learn to type. Use all 10 fingers. Oh, yes. With that, let's, let's take a quick little break, Brian. When we come back, I'd like for us to kind of, Go through these, these talk about just our personal preferences when it comes to computing devices, what we're using, why. And then we can just kind of explore more of these, these better um, types of people that might benefit from these different types yeah, of devices where good. some good use, uh, use case applications are. So you're listening to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV network, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV network. And uh, Alan and Brian Jackson here talking about computers, talking about computing devices, uh, form factors, types of computers that you may uh, find yourself looking at if you're in the market to invest in a new one anytime soon. We spent the first half of the show talking about the four types of form factors, you know, the desktop, laptop, tablet, and phone. Brian, let's, uh, we kind of tease it all along, but let's talk about what we actually have and why, because, and we're not saying that what we have is what we think everybody should have. Okay. I think there are many, many different, uh, examples and setups and scenarios that people are going to have different needs, but let's talk about what you and I have and why. So Brian, yeah. what, what, what would I find on your desk or in your bag, uh, that you use for computing right now? 
Okay, let me first of all say what I have and what I use are really two different things. So I'm going to talk more okay. about what I use um, okay. because as, as I know you do, I have had desktops. I still have a desktop machine that I you know, use for kind of storage and things. But in terms of what I use, I use a laptop. I have a laptop okay. that I will take to the office and plug into an external monitor and use okay. as a desktop. Um, so I have an extra uh, external keyboard, external mouse, and I take the laptop, put it in my bag, bring it home and use it at home with an external monitor, <laughs> with an external uh, keyboard, with an external mouse. Uh, and then if I need to, you know, be able to go outside and want to work on the back porch or in another room, I have the laptop that I can unplug and do that. I do have a, obviously I have a phone, and the things I'll do with the phone is to check email on the on the go. That's my my first step to uh, to computing at that point is I'll check email and then decide do I need to go and actually send a long email and if so I'm going to go get my computer and do that. Uh, I do have a tablet, um, more for. Um, well, more for exploring the possibilities of it. I had hoped that a tablet could be my computer, that I could move towards that. And, you know, initially I wanted to have the desktop and I wanted a tablet. Like I mentioned earlier, I thought that would have been the great way to have something that I could work, um, do heavy lifting on and then have a tablet for other things. Basically, the tablet has become uh, the consumption device where if mm-hmm. I'm... Uh, riding my uh my stationary bike in my uh in my garage that's where my tablet is that i can consume uh tv shows while i'm while i'm riding uh things that i don't have to worry about sweat bothering a keyboard i don't have to worry about um you know even if it were to fall it's a pretty solid device and then i would say if i'm traveling that I have gotten to the point where, so my wife and I go camping a lot and, and we'll do some long road trips that I'll throw the, the tablet will be my way. And I'll have a little keyboard that goes along with it, kind of like a little uh, a case with a keyboard built in. So I know if I need to sit down and type out a long email, uh, a work document, I can do it. Yeah. I would not want to do a lot of it um, the way it's set up right now, but uh, I have the ability to do that. So unfortunately, I'm one of those that has lots of form factors and they each have individual usage. Um, if you forced me and said, Brian, you can only have your phone and one other thing, it would be the laptop. Yeah. All right. Because okay. I think I can do everything that I need to do with that. Uh, so that's that's my scenario. Well, it's it's a small wonder we're brothers because I have the exact same setup. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it is yeah. exactly the same. Yep. I uh, I have a home office. I have a office office, and I have an external keyboard, mouse, and monitor at both locations. I actually have the exact same monitor, keyboard, and mouse at both locations. Uh, they're laid out exactly the same. <laughs> the laptop is what I move from place to place with, and that is my computing device. Um, I have the phone obviously. And, you know, of course the phone is the phone the phone's great, but, uh, uh, I don't do a lot of work on it, but it is my connection device. It is my, Hey, I want to check email. I want to respond quickly to emails. I want to check news. I want to check you know, whatever, whether anything else I need. I bought into the, the tablet side of things late in the game. I was, a I was just at the tablet for quite a while. I, 
I'll admit when the iPad first came out and I looked at it and it just was a giant iPhone in my head with the same exact interface, the same exact kind of functionality, just bigger. I just wasn't interested. And I thought, you know, I've got a laptop. I don't need a tablet. I'm good with the laptop. Um, I broke down. Honestly, I built up enough uh, points on an American Express account to where I could actually splurge and buy myself a treat <laughs> one year. And so I got to the point saying, you know what? The iPad Pro seems to be kind of the, the kind of the model now where I could actually do some work on this thing. So I did break down and get the iPad. Um, but I still just use it as a consumption device, just like you said. Yeah. Um, only thing the iPad has really done that has really benefited me in a day-to-day -day work environment as uh, opposed to just reading and watching things is I do take notes on the iPad. Yeah. I take yeah. notes on the iPad religiously. So that is my note input device for meetings, whether it's handwriting or typing, either way, I, I put it in the iPad. And uh, that's really what I use it for. I do it, take it to meetings. I use it for taking notes. I may show things in meetings off the iPad. And then when I'm home or relaxing, it is my watch, uh, read the news, read articles, um, you know, watch some things, whatever it may be. That, that's kind of where I am with it. So um, the iPad doesn't even come out of my bag when I'm in my office or my home office. It's truly mm -hmm. like, I'm out and around the house or I'm in a meeting somewhere. And that's when I take the iPad with me. So, yeah. so it sounds like we're in about a exact same situation as far yeah. as our equipment goes. Yeah. No. And you're, and you're right. And I didn't even think for a minute, I, the ability to be able to write on the tablet is beneficial. Yeah. I, I we talked about that earlier when we went uh, in our going paperless uh, series and, uh, and I grade papers on the iPad to be able to still write on things. Yeah. That's helpful. Let me ask you though, real quick, Alan, if you had to go right now to a meeting, mm -hmm. so you're saying you don't even think twice about it. You grab your iPad to go take notes Yeah. or, okay. Because sometimes I'm, I'm still struggling. Like, you know, iPad, laptop, they're both taking pretty much the same space in my hand when I'm going to this meeting. One's going to be an option yeah. to do a lot more. Um, so I guess the question is, do you want to be casual with your meeting where you are kind of That's handwriting great. or do you want to have formal where you're sitting behind a computer, right? Well, now if, if I'm in a meeting where I know I'm going to have to show spreadsheets and show a presentation and do other things on a screen or, or kind of whatever, then I'll take my laptop and I'll actually yeah. let that be my, my device. But if I'm just going to a meeting to talk and listen and take notes, I will absolutely just take my iPad. Okay. I, I treat that as my input device. And I know that I use things that we've talked about in previous episodes to sync, you know, notes and other things together. So when I come back to my workstation laptop, everything's there and I don't have to worry about it. So, uh, yeah, I've gotten to the point where I don't, I don't take a laptop to a meeting unless I know it's something where I'm going to be asked to show documents and files and kind of bring up a whole lot of different things or, uh, doing anything else higher end at that meeting. So, so Alan, we, we both do the same thing for the most part. Is there anything in your workflow right now, though, that is frustrating to you? Like, do you look at it and say, gosh, you know what? That part always gets me annoyed. And I, I have one, and I think you're going to agree uh, with it. But Well, um, I, let me hear yours, because maybe, maybe, well, maybe you'll jog my memory. Uh, yeah. Well, the, the one thing that's frustrating with my workflow right now is dongles. 
is oh, the, yeah, yeah. the ability okay. to say, listen, if I'm working laptop and the connections of those things, whether it coming home, having to figure out a way to dock in or going and wanting to use it with other uh, places and situations, yeah. no, you're right. that's something to keep in mind for people that if you're looking at a laptop, do do be aware of you know form factor size all of that but also be aware of connections and what am i going to do with it am i someone who only wants to work on this screen and on this keyboard great but if you're talking about plugging into other things laptops have gotten to a very frustrating part for a frustrating place for me to where they say we're going to make things so small that we have to create our own connections to fit into those small form factors. And now you need uh, dongles in order to connect what you already had to this device. So that to me is still the biggest frustration. Oh, it's no, you're right. I mean, as soon as you said it, that's it. That dongles are still the bane of my existence right now. And I have a small bag in my work bag that goes with me everywhere I go. (laughs) And it is a bag full of dongles because it's not only just for me, unfortunately I have to have dongles, which will tease you a little bit when we get to our suggestions at the end of the episode, mine is going to be dongle related. Um, But even going to places where I'm meeting with people and they're trying to hook up to a projector or they're trying to uh, do something else, I've got to constantly have dongles available to be the savior in those situations and say, Oh, you're trying to hook your laptop up to this. Okay, well, you're going to need this dongle. <laughs> so here you go. And I've got it. Um, that's uh, It's tough. It's really, really tough. Yeah. And yeah. you know, it's something you don't have to worry about with a tablet or phone as much, um, unless you want to do higher end things with those devices. Like I said, I hooked up my, my iPad to a, a mouse just to see how that worked. And it was pretty cool. But it had to be a USB-C connection on my iPad Pro, and I didn't have a mouse that was a USB-C, so I needed a dongle to go from regular USB to that. So again, it's, yeah, dongles are still going to be evident anytime you want to have more expandability or do more things on your device than what comes with its stock. And yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it is a challenge. Yeah, unfortunately, it's a shifting standard. Uh, USB was the big one for a while, and then... Now USB-C seems to be the one time taking the lead, but just not enough things out there have USB-C connections. So you need these adopter adapters and dongles to do it. Yeah. So, yep, you're right. It's a pain. It's yeah. a big problem. Something to keep in mind. Okay, so we mentioned, let's talk about some, uh, some examples real quick, Alan. So we've talked about each of these four form factors. Now let's, let's maybe give our suggestions. So what kind of person... Uh, should purchase a desktop. I mean, let's think about it that way. So who's, yeah. the, who's the person that should look and say, nope, desktop's the way I should do that. Here, here's, here's my suggestion. I'll, I'll hear if you echo some of the same ones. I think someone who um, has a very, uh, very, very specific type of work that they're doing that needs the greatest horsepower, processing speed and all, and they have a designated place they do that work. So for example, we have an editing studio here in our, our building. There is a desktop computer sitting in there because if you're going to go in there to record and edit and, and all audio, you're doing it from that spot and it needs to be a very high powered machine to do it. So that's a great example of, you know, someone who has a work job that's a very, very focused, more intensive job that has to be done in one place. That's great. That's a good example for it. Um, Gamers, people who are really heavy video gamers, I think desktop is still the best way to go. You're just not going to get great game performance off a laptop. I mean, you get good, 
But if you're really somebody who's going for the highest frame rates and greatest amount of detail graphics wise, you're still going to get your better bang for a buck with a desktop. Um, I'm, I'm having a hard time, Brian, thinking of a recommendation of somebody, a desktop in a home environment. Are you, you, you have a well, thought of somebody? I was going to, yeah, I was going to ask you, cause what if, what if you're a, you're a family with multiple kids and you would like to have uh, a computer that can be used by all. So I could see the, the, the convenience of saying, oh, you know what, we've got a laptop and it can be passed around. Who's going to use it? But, you know, that's a nightmare, right? With kids, I would imagine. Yes. I don't have kids, but I would imagine that people yeah. taking it and saying, I want to use it in my room, whatever. You know, I've got a friend, uh, we have a friend uh, who uh, who recently just bought an iMac for his house because he wanted one place where all of his kids could go and do work and say, this is a yeah. work spot. This is where you do your homework. This is whatever. And That's we good. know that then there's going to be storage, uh, file storage, all of that stuff. So I could see that as being a place. Yeah. Now, that's that not the only sense. computer he has. So I'd say it's another important piece is that there are multiple other devices in there. But that being kind of the home um, home base, basically, for work, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, I think if there's a reason why you need to have somebody or members of your family or you yourself designated to one spot, and yep. you want to have that more control over that one spot and you need to make sure you've got a good functioning computer ready, then a desktop makes great sense. Yep. You could almost argue too, Brian, if you're somebody that has to kind of force yourself to make sure you're only working when it's time to work and when you're not working, yep. you don't want to be working, then maybe a desktop location to say, look, when I go to my home office or a remote office, that's my work location. And I don't want to do any of that stuff out of that location. So yeah. maybe it's a way of psychologically forcing yourself to only do certain type of work in one spot. If you had a laptop, the temptation is you take it with you. You can do your work everywhere else. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're someone who really wants to be very regimented about that, a desktop could be a good way of kind of forcing you into that, that kind of mentality. Um, yeah. But other than, I think the family example is a good one, Brian. Yes. I, I have seen that in some families. We had that in our family for a while when my kids were really young. So I totally get that. Um, outside of that, I'm still struggling with any yeah. other home examples that really are good recommendations. Uh, of course, I know there's going to be unique situations. People have certain needs. I mean, and price is also a factor. If you yes. just don't have a lot of money you want to invest into a computer, a desktop may be the cheapest way to get a computer in your house that just does what you need it to do and nothing else fancy. And you can get by and probably build one, put one together for a couple hundred dollars if you find mm -hmm. some good budget one somewhere. Um, well, yeah, on that note, Alan, what about more so thinking back to your topic that you got so excited about uh, previously, backup, <laughs> right? If mm -hmm. someone is actually thinking of, okay, I want to create a scenario where I can have uh, home storage for some yeah. of these other devices from, you know, the phones and the tablets that are going throughout the, the the house here, right? Having a desktop that a desktop that probably could be upgradable and able to have more storage and also able to last longer could last you for, you know, five, five, six, seven years um, as being a storage device. Also could do some work, but maybe you have it sitting to the side and don't have a monitor on it unless you really need to. So. Well I mean, yes, if you have one of these dedicated purpose needs, like a dedicated backup device or a dedicated place to store all your media, movies, music, videos, then I think a desktop computer makes great sense. But I don't see it as, you know, 
the question is, is that your, your actual work device? Is that right. your device that you actually get on on a daily basis and do anything on? Um, that's more of the question mark for me. Uh, yep. I think desktops are great for those more specific dedicated purposes. Yep. Um, but I don't necessarily think, you know, it, it, it should always double function as your primary computer necessarily. So cool. again, these are our thoughts on it. Recommendations. Yeah. Again, I know everybody's individual situation is going to be different and there may be some very unique use cases where it makes better sense, but going to the next one with laptop, I'm still going to say laptops are going to be probably my better recommendation for a lot more situations for people. If you're looking at who should be using these. Um, I mean, so I can that- kind of look at you and I, Brian, I mean, we're, we, we, we work, we have full-time jobs and we have a home environment and we're people that like to do computing work in both locations. We don't shut off our computer world when we leave the office. We like to do some stuff at home and we work on things at home sometimes. For us, that scenario, I think a laptop is just a no-brainer to me. I mean, it just makes the most sense to have one device that you can take with you and it can apply in multiple situations and, and be your be your consistent, be your consistent computing device throughout those environments. Yeah. And I might suggest, Alan, what if, I would almost suggest we skip the laptop and say no, no laptop's going to be what most people do. So we've already talked about kind of the extreme of who, who might use the desktop. Yep. What about who, yep. who might use the tablet? Because I think okay. the, the, desk, uh, the laptop's a little bit more self-explanatory, right? But who, who's the it person is, yeah. where we would say the tablet is really the right use case for you? All right. So here's, here's my thought on it with a tablet. I, I see, I see two different populations talking about it being the primary computing the primary, device, meaning right. it's not a supplemental device like, like you and I use it for, but truly this is their computer. This yes. is what they do. I think, um, people who don't work for a living retired or yep. could be you know, people who just, uh, uh, or people who just, you know, are at home and, uh, don't have a dedicated or a work job that needs computing power at all, or they have a work computer at their office that their company pays for, and that's where they do their work. But yes. they don't want to; they don't have a need to do anything when they come home. When they yep. come home, it's all about home and, and family, everything else. And they don't need to touch it. In those situations, an iPad I think is great, or a tablet in mm-hmm. general. If you're needing to check email, you want to be on social media, you want to watch and read things. And you have the occasional need to maybe respond to an email or make a Facebook post or something that doesn't require heavy typing, because it can be done pretty lightly, uh, especially with video conferencing. If people are on Zoom and doing uh, uh, talking to other people remotely, I think a tablet is is your device. I mean, I think you would be able to get everything done you needed at that point. Yep. Um, I think retired people um, that just want to stay in touch with family and read and watch things, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so really I think if it, if it's, if it's, I guess what it boils down to Brian is that if you honestly don't need, uh, if you're not going to do anything work related outside of your work environment, outside of your home, outside of your office, I mean, and you don't have any other heavy, uh, computing needs beyond, beyond that, then you can totally get by with a tablet and be very, very happy. I think at that point. Yeah. And I think maybe we're, we're potentially limiting our definition of work, right? I mean, I usually think work means typing, which I, I don't think is always the case, True. right? But, yeah. you know, if I was a, if I was a photographer, 
and right. I needed to do editing. I, quite honestly, I think editing on a nice large tablet is great because of manip- manipulation of it, being able to use a pencil to kind of do uh, actual editing of it. Uh, I mean, yeah. I think if that's your job, great. That's kind of a, an important use case. But the problem is that kind of job also requires a high level of computing power, which typically right. means you probably need a desktop, you know, to be able to do some of that stuff. And then your, your tablet might be your manipulation device, but I'm totally with you. I've, I have encouraged, um, retired family members to go to a tablet, which they were very resistant on initially, Mm -hmm. but now would never go back because it's like, well, gosh, I walk around in my house and I can consume, read, uh, read articles. I can read my books, all of that. And then if I have to, they go and snap into a, a laptop or a, a keyboard and yep. they can and type out an email. And it, it's, I guess it's really the percentage. How much time are you typing and how much time are you simply consuming? If it's a very small percentage of time you need to type, then I think it's great because you can always put in a keyboard and type just fine for a short period of time. You just don't want to do that for a long period of time right now. No, I completely agree. Yeah. I think, I think that's really the situation. Again, there's going to be a lot of variations in those, uh, those, those people out there, but I think in general, uh, you know what I would actually recommend somebody do is, uh, I mean, a lot of these devices, I mean, you could even buy them and use them for 30, 60 days and still be able to return them to a lot of major stores. I mean, if you're really trying to struggle, say, look, can I use a tablet as my main computer? Go get one and just force it and just use it, use it for 30 days. Like really try it out. Can you do everything you need to be doing at home or wherever you are on this device? And if the answer is yes, after 30 some days, then don't return it, keep it. And that becomes your device. If it's not, I think then you start looking backwards at some of the other options we've discussed, but, uh, you know, it, it's interesting how that that group that the tablet could could accommodate is, I think, growing every year. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think, yeah. Well, again, I think typing, you know, true structured typing uh, of documents is uh, is getting less and less uh, of a of a need for uh, for a lot of people's jobs. I mean, they might be able sure. to simply move documents around instead of actually create new documents and they could potentially talk and have, you know, a transcription of their talk. So yeah, I think it's, it's good. I think tablets can be, it's a greater population that can use that as their, their singular device. I think uh, typical work environments, probably not, but, um, and then the people, you know, on the same note who might use their phone as a, singular device, I could say the problem is when you're talking about that first group, the retirees, the those that aren't doing their work day to day anymore, the screen sizes are so small, right? So that's yeah. not going to be the way that they necessarily would want to consume. So I think for them, large phones or tablets really does make a lot of sense. Um, so. Well, and one thing we haven't really talked about that I think a lot of people obviously now, especially at the time of this recording are, are finding a lot more use for is the video chatting, video conferencing. You can do it on a phone, but it's not really ideal. If you are a family or a couple and you're wanting to talk and, and be online with others, trying to do it all through a phone or it, it, doing it through a phone is not ideal, not going to be a great experience. A lot of times the tablet is going to be a lot better because you got a bigger screen. That's also another reason I don't always recommend the desktop because um, as your main computer, because that basically forces you to say, all right, we've got to go get in front of this one computer. Anybody who we want to talk to, we don't have any flexibility. We can't move it around or walk, go to other parts of the house. 
we're kind of stuck in front of that desktop computer to do our, our video conferencing or Zoom with people. So tablet makes just great sense if that's something you find yourself doing a lot more of and you want that ultimate flexibility on it. Yeah. Well, I think well, we I think we dominated this one. I think we we covered it uh well, let's just say a lot longer than uh than we had planned, but well, we go into each of these topics saying, "Oh, Brian, you and I this will be like 20, 20 minutes? minutes or so. We can probably knock all this out and an hour later we're still <laughs> going on about it." But um if you're still listening to us here talk about these and we talked about these computer form factors, thank you first off for uh, sticking around and indulging us. Um you, you may be skipping ahead. That does not work. I can tell. You have time to listen to all this. <laughs> well, and it may just be they're waiting because they love the bits, oh, the brothers in tech oh, who suggestions. Doesn't? Who doesn't? Really? It is kind of the the hallmark of the show. It's really what we have to kind of wade through this first hour to get through. Is, agreed. Um, agreed. Is talking about our suggestions. These are the brothers in tech suggestions. Brian and I, every time we get together and record, always have a suggestion possibly related to the topic or maybe just a broad general uh, suggestion of something to share, something we think that we personally can vouch for and we think is uh, great. Um, Brian, you have a suggestion that is very appropriate for this episode. So why don't you go ahead and tell us about it? Yeah, I appreciate how you uh, uh, reminded people that we tried to connect to the topic because this one is has very little connection to this topic whatsoever. Um, So I was trying to, I was trying to figure out, you know, and for me, Ellen, I'm less concerned about connecting to the topic and more about really helping the people out. Okay. That's what I'm all about. I I understand. Okay. um, Actually my, my bit um, is something now that I've been working from home a little more. um, I have found uh, quite a lot of uh, use for and love for that. I did not realize uh, uh, that I uh, had access to before. So many of us have Amazon accounts, Amazon Prime accounts. And uh, I think a lot of us don't really understand all the things that come with that account. And one of those being yeah. Amazon Music. And I have uh, kind of recently started using Amazon Music as my my music player when I am uh, working from home. And even when I'm uh, uh, kind of uh, out uh, out and about with my phone, Amazon Music is is great. It's a, it's an app that can go on your computer, hence why it's connected to this topic. It can go on your computer. Um, but basically, it's uh, it's kind of like Pandora, right? So you have access to it to where you can stream certain uh, stations that they have. And by the way, the stations, I think, are great. There's lots of different uh, things that you can search through. And if you find someone that you like, say, stream uh, similar to them like you would with a Pandora. Um, yeah. And just with the Prime account, though, you can go in and there are certain songs where you can say, save that song. And I'll like to have that in my list of music. And you still mm-hmm. have access to be able to pull that song up later. So um, without paying anything extra, they do, of course, have their premium uh, version where you can then take music with you and say, I'm going to download that song uh, and be able to have it later. But I've just been super, super happy with um using that because I'm, I'm someone who doesn't subscribe to any music services. I don't subscribe to Spotify. Okay. I don't subscribe to Apple Music. Um, and Pandora was always my go-to. I would just pull it up because I want random music, but good music in, in relationship to what my interests are. The problem with Pandora is I started getting a lot of commercials and yeah. I don't get the commercials with Amazon Music. So you can right. stream these stations. So uh, so I would suggest if you haven't looked into that, you probably have a Prime account. And if you do, 
uh, download uh, Amazon uh, Music uh, app to your computer or to your phone. Try it out. Yeah. Check some different stations out. Save the stations so you starts to show up as your preferred stations like a Pandora would. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's good. So check it out. That's cool. No, I, I, I have played around with Amazon Music before. I like it. I think it's great. And again, you're right. It is nice that it's kind of already built into the Amazon account. So you don't have to go about setting up new uh, new services or paying extra money for it. Um, I'm an Apple music guy. I've mentioned that before, mainly because I, you know, the family, the family account really works for us with four members in the family that all have different music playlists and styles and things we get into and, uh, all the, the integration with our phones and tablets and computer. We just, we, we like it. And I think it's more of a, we just started off in that and kind of haven't seen the need to move, but I have played with Amazon music and I am really impressed with the stations, mm-hmm. um, how easy it is to add your own music to it and just, Oh, it's great. I mean, honestly, if I had to kind of restart today, like just wiped it clean and started fresh, I'd probably hop on Amazon music and, and focus on that instead. So yeah. um, good call. Good, yep. good, good cool. suggestion. And you're right. It's a lot of people don't realize with an Amazon account, if you're just using it for shipping and, and ordering things, you need to hop on there and look not only on the movies that you get with your Amazon subscription, Amazon prime, you get all the, new movies and streaming movies for free, but you also get the music, you get access to a photo library where you can store your photos. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with Amazon with your account that you're paying per year. Books and audio books and things that you can, you can get for free as well. So, yeah. Well, this is the Amazon prime account, I guess I should say, instead of it can't just be where you just have an account on Amazon to place orders. This is the prime account where you've got it because you want the free shipping yeah. Uh, that they give you throughout the throughout your, the year. So, all right. Well, my uh, my bit, Brian, is one that's a little more related to something we talked about. Not to say that yours was a bad suggestion. I'm just saying, you know, people listening to the show want to hear something that's a little more, you know, applicable to the topic they just invested yeah, sure an hour listening to. So that's what mine is about. I mentioned, or you mentioned more specifically, dongles before. Mm-hmm. And our absolute disdain and hate for having to keep up with dongles and managing them. Yep. So I got so frustrated with dongles and all the adapters I was having to manage and keep up with for all the different computing situations I help manage that I got so happy when I found online on Amazon. So linking it to your suggestion on Amazon, I was searching for an adapter that would go from a traditional USB meaning uh, USB that you might have on external hard drives or webcams or mice or keyboards or anything like that. Trying to find an adapter that would go from a standard USB to these newer USB-C ports that are on latest laptops. Uh, Mac laptops especially are pretty much all USB-C now. I think a lot of more recent Dell and some other computers on the Windows side have also started adopting the USB-C port also. So on Amazon, I found after a lot of research, finding you know, reading reviews, trying to find like a really good fit. I found ones made by a company called Syntech, S-Y-N-T-E-C-H. It is a USB-C to USB adapter. So it's a little small little device, which is what I love about it. They're super tiny and they're only $5 each. So you can get a two pack for $9.99. They're uh, um, super nice and tight. So basically I got them. And the things that I'm always having to hook up to my laptop, I just went ahead and put one of these adapters on the end of it and it stays on it. 
So I have an external hard drive I use for some of my video work and that stays in my work bag. But whenever I need it, I take it out, plug it into my laptop. It now has a permanent $5 adapter on the end of it. So I never have to worry about trying to find an adapter or a dongle for it. Um, so I've got like four or five devices that have those little adapters on the end and they stay on there and they're super tight. They stay on, they don't slip off and, uh, they look really nice. They're really super easy. And I loved how inexpensive they were. So Syntec USB-C to USB adapter, $5 each. Um, they work Mac or windows anywhere that has a USB-C port on the computer. And I just I highly recommend it. It'll save you a lot of frustration if you just kind of Go ahead and invest, you know, 15, 20 bucks, whatever you may need to get these adapters and just go ahead and put them on all the devices that you use most commonly. So you're never having to kind of scramble around finding a dongle or an adapter or having to use some big hub to constantly make it work. You know, this is just a nice, convenient way to do it. So nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love, I love how small they are, right? So yeah, I yeah. agree with you. If you, can, if you can put them on and keep them on rather than having to search for them. That's the key. There's nothing more frustrating than getting to a place where you're doing a presentation or you're going to show something you're like, ah, I would, but you don't have the right connection. Right. So yeah, that'd be great. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks for, thanks for tying to the, the topic there. It's good that one of us. I'm just following the rules that we set up, you know, months ago when we started the show, but that's okay. I mean, I guess it's okay to variate from the rules occasionally, um, make exceptions. So, well, this has been brothers in tech here on the mesh.tv. We've been talking about computers, which sounds kind of crazy to be saying, you know, we're a, a brothers in tech technology show and we're just now getting around to talking about actual computers, but, uh, it is a good topic for us to kind of circle back to. We will have some deep dive episodes coming out in the next few weeks where we're going to go a little deeper into this topic on computers in general. Next uh, deep dive, the first one we, we release is going to be all about operating systems. So we talked about the computers you can get, but you need to understand that when you get a computer, it has or can have an operating system on it. And that's uh, that's your Mac, your Windows, and uh, other, other variations. We're going to talk all about that, pros and cons, some things to keep in mind if you're trying to decide which operating system platform to get into with your computer device. Uh, and then we'll have some other deep dives following that to kind of explore even deeper specs, yeah. learning computer specs. And we'll talk about some other creative computing options as well. So Brian, if people have some thoughts, feedback, comments, questions for us, how can they reach out to us? Yeah. Email us at uh, info at the mesh.tv info at the mesh.tv. Uh, tell us your use of computers. Uh, what, kind of suggestions you might have, what frustrations you might have, we'd be glad to uh, to kind of give you some advice as well. Uh, but we'd love to hear from you. And, and specifically, I think we'd love to, to know what topics people would like to hear from uh, in the future. So give us some ideas of what uh, those future topics might be so that we can... Uh, we can get you what you want. So yeah, info at the match.tv. Perfect. That's it. Well, this has been Brothers in Tech here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. We thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you found some good, useful information that can help you in your family, home technology needs, or maybe working with other family members on their technology needs. And uh, we will look forward to talking to you next time when we have our, our next deep dive episode. Thanks, everyone. Bye.